Thank you so much for checking out the audio version of my channel, Ruslan KD, can you stream out loud on all platforms? If you, yes, you find this valuable, the best way you can reach me, the best way you can give me feedback, the best way you can even hop into a group Zoom call with me is through our King's Dream Patreon community. So consider partnering with us there. The link is in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Now enjoy. Bruce Lawn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Stop quoting. Stop quoting that Bible verse. We're going to be talking to Pastor Trey Van Camp, Pastor Roy Dockery, my friend Jason Mayfield, about popular verses from the scripture that are often just, just, just completely jacked up and messed up, if we're honest. And this is going to be the passage we're going to be covering today. So I'm very excited. We uh, haven't done this in a couple of weeks, man. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Psalm 105, uh, verse 14 and 15, it says, this is David writing. He says, he allowed no one to oppress me for they for their sake. He rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones, nor do my prophets no harm he called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food and he sent a man before them joseph sold as a slave they bruised his feet with shekels his neck was put with irons till he foretold came to pass till the word of the lord proved him true so very common talked about passage in all of scripture stuff so without no further ado ladies and gentlemen i am going to bring in our prestigious elaborate panel with us pastor roy dockery pastor trey van camp and jason mayfield here with us live and we're going to be talking about it guys so for those of you guys that don't know these brothers they are fellow youtube creators spent decades in ministry pastor roy dockery comes from a non-denominational background pastor Trey Van Camp comes from a Southern Baptist background, and my brother Jason Mayfield is the Pentecostal, charismatic one of the bunch. But I'm 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 a theological mutt, so I'm like all of them combined in one sorta. Okay, so we have balance here. We're gonna be talking about it. Let's jump into this verse, guys. I read the verse. What is your thoughts on it, and how is it often, or how can it be often abused, misused in a church? context i want to hear from you guys thankfully i've never heard it used on me or anything you know like people trying to here's what i think so there's so much here to unpack because i think we need to think about it on both sides it is very true a lot of us we got to be careful messing with pastors with christians in general right gossiping Mm. um as a fourth generation pastor our my name my family's name has just been drugged through the mud time and time again and my dad always says, just wait, God will take care of it. Mm. And it's pretty incredible to kind of see like people's lives get destroyed when they're trying to destroy ours. It's Come pretty on. consistent and it's scary. But the other side of it is this doesn't mean pastors aren't held accountable and there needs mm. to be board of directors, elders, pe- not yes men in, the, in, in your corner. Right. You know, and so that can be very dangerous too. So I can see how pastors you did to say, you can't touch me, and that's dangerous. But then there's also a bit of that warning where that is very true. You need to be very careful and go through this biblical route of really making sure you're calling out the sin 
and being, you know, like not assuming things and mm. just bringing it forth. Here's what I see. What, you know, what is your perspective on this? It's quite loaded, but those are my initial thoughts. Got it. And, and, and to piggyback that, there's also the passage uh, here in First uh, Timothy 5, 1 Timothy five one, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as uh, you would a father, uh, younger men as brothers. Right. So there is there is that 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 command for us not to just be flipping with the way we speak uh, to older men, the way we speak to, to elders, the way we speak to fathers, the way we speak to grandfathers. Don't don't be out here just flippantly rebuking. Older men, we're not even talking pastors and, 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 and folks in ministry clergy. Right. We're talking about older men. So there is that standard. Uh, pastor Trey, what do you, uh, uh, excuse me, Pastor Roy, what do you what do you think about this passage? How do you think it's been uh, maybe abused and how do you think it's properly interpreted? Yeah, and I think Trey hit on a little bit of it, but I think it's the context, right? Like it's first of all, who's making the statement? So when you read that scripture in Psalms, right, it's like he rebuked, he, um, like he, capital H, right? God rebuked kings saying right and it's it's now it's kind of used as either a defensive weapon or an offensive weapon mm. so it's like god saying this it's the church saying don't talk about my pastor it's the pastor mm. saying don't talk about me it's the it's the convention or the conference saying don't talk about you know our seminaries or whatever so it's it's not god so the the context and the power that people try to use that scripture in um, is not it right? It's not taken from the opinion of God and from mm-hmm. the perspective of God. It's like you know you're saying something offensive or you're trying to attack me, and so I'm going to use this scripture one to identify myself yeah. as God's. Yeah, 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 right. That's a like, little, that's a little, that's a little loaded, little, little prideful. For honest, if, you, if I'm, if I'm with me, right? Yeah, because I, I don't feel that way. You know, people come at you in the comments sometimes, and you want to type back like, "Don't be coming." at the Lord's anointed, but it's not my place to say that, right? Yeah. So it's not, yeah. that's God's place. So like, like Trey said, I agree with him. I just sit back and watch what happens and it's always interesting to see. But I think that's the issue with that context is that people take 15, right? And I love the fact you started at 14 and read a little bit further down, but right, but that's God saying, cause I mean, mind you, God used the Kings, right? To discipline and to rebuke the children of Israel for being disobedient repetitively but it was when god said stop mm-hmm. <laughs> right or like let my people go and then they refused to that he then had to rebuke the kings because it's not your position to correct them it's mine right i might use you as a tool for correction but ultimately the judgment and the punishment isn't in your hands it's in god's so mm-hmm. people try to like own that that disciplinary process on behalf of god or the reward process for mm-hmm. that matter either but yeah you can't use it out of context that's that's not for us to say. That's for God to say. We're supposed to be above reproach, right? And then lovingly within the faith, know how to rebuke and communicate with those older than us and those you know younger than us in a loving manner. So, yeah, it, it seems like we almost go one of two extremes, right? Like one extreme is everybody wants to go heresy hunter. Everybody wants to play, call out the false prophet, call out the false preacher, right? Let me make a video, expose this person, expose that person. Like that's one end of the extreme. Or we go to the other end of the extreme where where it's like, hey, don't you dare say anything at all about you know the, my leader my camp my tribe my denomination even if they may be 
in error on a topic or something, you know. So, Jason, uh, as as the Pentecostal one in in, in the bunch, uh, how, how, what do you think of this passage? Do you, do you think it's twisted sometimes? Do you think we need to take more weight to it? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, in the Pentecostal world, I mean, we certainly abuse the Holy Moses out of this phrase. You know? <laughs> I mean, we we have entire ministry training programs that basically cycle around um, a really inflated John Brevere undercover type of theology, which, by the hmm. way, I think John Brevere's book on, uh, uh, or his book called Undercover, if you have any questions about authority, I I felt like uh, I read it thinking it was going to tell me to just obey everybody. Instead, it told me how I was protected in different areas of my life from hmm. certain types of leaders. Hmm. And uh, But I will say this, in terms of this passage, one, if you read it in Psalm 105 and 1 Chronicles 16, these are basically similar. 1 Chronicles 16 gives us a good idea that this was written by David. Okay. Okay, so when you read it there, the first thing that, just if you read the simple short context that Roy was alluding to a moment ago in terms of the language structure or the just, you know, who's addressing whom here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could really walk away with this, or you could really walk away from this passage with the idea that the government needs to make sure that it's careful how it deals with pastors, mm. preachers, ministers, prophets, apostles. Interesting. Okay, so so you're saying this Be- has a macro uh, context. It's not just don't you say something about my pastor if you're from a different tribe. This is this is on a on a, on a more macro idea. Go, yeah, t- tell me more. Yeah, because it's saying that it's saying he rebukes kings and says to them, "Do not touch my anointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't touch my prophets." But there's more context that we really need to take into account here. Uh and that's who wrote it. Okay. That's David. So mm-hmm. if David wrote it, this is not the time that David implemented it. This is a time David okay. said this phrase. He said it in a song of thanks. Mm-hmm. But when David implemented this, when David used this phrase in his life, there is no uh, preceding use of this before David. Okay. Interesting. This isn't used in the law. This isn't used. So David is the first case use of this pass or this phrase. Mm. The way that David uses it, David uses it talking about Saul. Twice David is given an opportunity to take retribution on Saul mm. based on uh, how Saul has treated him. And Saul, unaware that David comes into his presence, David could have killed him twice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. times David says, I will not touch the, the people with David encouraged him. They're like, go mm. kill this mother. And he said, I'm not going to do it. Right, I'm not going right. to touch the Lord's anointed. But there's some things to keep in mind here. One, David is the only person that I'm aware of, and I've put a considerable amount of time in the Scripture, the only person I'm aware of to ever use this phrase in the Scripture, mm. both in writing here that mm. we're using and in his own verbal back and forth. But so David writes it, or David says this, that tells us that this is probably, David being the only one who says it, this is probably David's personal uh, practice, his personal principle that he's not going to reach out. He's not going to get in the way of somebody who he believes God's put into place. But there's a couple of things to remember. One, David says this, and it's potentially unhealthy. 
because David has allowed Saul to put him in multiple situations that could have cost him his life. I'm not mm. talking about sending him into battle. I'm talking about at the dinner table. Right. This mug will throw a steak knife at you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Those kind of situations. So it's potentially unhealthy, but also David potentially misunderstands either how the authority structure works or he misunderstands how the anointing works at this time mm. when he says it. Now, keep in mind, David's young. David's not king when this stuff goes down. There's some stuff that David's still figuring out. He's a young man. So he, mm. may, he doesn't either understand the anointing or he doesn't understand authority because we know this, that when David said it about Saul, Samuel had already prophesied that the anointing had been removed. So David says this about somebody. Mm. He says, I won't touch the Lord's anointed, who in fact was not the Lord's anointed. So this can be very unhealthy, not just at a, you know, nobody's really, get, I, in my opinion, and maybe I'm just a, a strong-willed individual, but I don't think people are putting a lot of stock into preachers who are going, hey, don't touch the Lord's anointed. I'm over here trying to tell you what to do, brother. Right, right, right. But a lot of people will take it on personally, and they will say, well, I got to submit. I got to get up under it. I, I remember when I was a teenager, a, a girl that I knew, I was in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Could, Hurricane Katrina was on the way. Mm -hmm. And the pastor had said, hey, we need to evacuate. We need to get out of here. And her parents said that they weren't going to do it. And she mm -hmm. looked them in the face and screamed at them and said, you're not going to do what your pastor says? Mm -hmm. So we may take it on mm -hmm. and, and personally get up under it. But I don't see a lot of pastors doing that. They have lieutenants that might be doing it for them, but they're not doing it. You know, they're not saying that. So I just, I think we have to be careful that we don't take on an unhealthy view of how we interact with people at, at the yeah. end of the day. You know, people are still people. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the concern can be that we then create this hierarchy, right? It goes back to this hierarchy that we know Jesus dismantled, right? Jesus comes and, and, and Hebrews declares him as the only mediator that we need, right? So we don't need a, another anointed one. We don't need a priest. We don't need Jesus. It's King Jesus. It's priest Jesus. It's Lord Jesus, right? And so I think that's the, that's the tension that a lot of people may, may fall into as they miss that, that Jesus' identity, everyone having direct access to Jesus, and then you start creating this hierarchy of, hey, this person is closer to God. This pastor is closer to God. This leader, this prophet is closer to God. And it's like, hey, maybe they have different giftings. Maybe they operate and they flow differently. However, we have to be careful to not create a hierarchy. And what, what that does, and I've seen this, and I'm sure you guys have seen this in ministry too, is then it insulates leaders and then isolates leaders, and then leaders become untouchable, unapproachable, right? And, and, and Jason, you've talked about this before, that there is a degree that you need to be somewhat removed so that you're not coming off of a sermon, and then somebody's giving you critiques of your sermon, and then somebody else is telling you you're the greatest speaker ever, and then somebody else is telling you they're dying of cancer, all in the same 10-minute window. Like, a, a person's emotions can't handle it. So, so we understand that a pastor may need to have some degree uh, of normalcy or, or some, some boundaries with people. However, um, I think I think it's dangerous to create then a hierarchy and a separation that we see in church. And then again, pastors get alone. We know the weight 
of being a, a, in ministry full time and how hard that could be and then and, and the pressures and the depression and all these things that come along with it. I don't know if you guys want to speak to some of that, but that, that becomes my concern is that when we then start creating a hierarchy and thinking certain people are unapproachable and that we can't fellowship with certain leaders and it's like, man, depending on the context, like a lot of times the pastors do need us in their corners. They do need us to, to be there um, and, and, and you know, love on them and, and, and pray for them. And uh, sometimes if, if God positions us to do so, ask the hard questions. So uh, yeah, what do you, what do you guys, what do you guys think of that? I know I just threw out a whole lot. Yeah, I'm going to throw out a whole lot real quick too. So I think contextually, the first place you see this applied is before David, um, typical Southern Baptist really, you know, calling out a Pentecostal for their scripture reading, but it's, uh, I'm just messing. Jason's like my best friend. Genesis 26, you see Abimelech, he's the king of the Philistines. Isaac comes and he lies about his wife saying it's a sister. So then they're like, okay, let's hook up. Right. And then the Lord says, Hey, that's my anointed one. You know, they are actually married. And so in verse 11 of Genesis 26, Abimelech says, nobody touches her. This is the Lord's anointed. We'll put that person to death who touches her. Right. So Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, actually puts this into practice um, and doesn't touch the anointed. So that's good on him. Um, but, yeah, I think the the way when when I hear that phrase, being a fourth generation pastor, I think of it as where I'm at in ministry and I think of it as a minister. And I think there's a way to hear this passage to apply as somebody who's trying to be up and coming and trying to have a lot of influence in this world for Jesus then you have another way to apply this as the church member who is just faithfully serving and and trying to you know fulfill the vision of the local church. I mean, you do have like Hebrews 13, 17 too, right? It says, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account yeah, so that they on. can do this with joy and not with grief. For that would be, look, unprofitable for you. Don't harm the anointed ones. And there is a sense we get a double portion. Pastors, they do have an anointing. And I know that doesn't sound, but it's, it's reality, right? So we have to have to recognize that, but there is, there's a line there. So I think with church members, there's so much to, uh, you know, if you're those who are listening, who are church members, there is a process to accountability, right? So we have to make sure there is a process in your local church, but also honor it and go through the right channels and know that a lot of times you don't know the whole picture. There's certain things I do with certain people because I know something about them, right? Either I'm, I'm not, you know, you just, we know context. It would be wrong of me to share to the whole church. So yeah. that's why you go to the leaders. This is what I'm seeing. And then we go, okay, we, we're, this is, we're not going to put this on blast, but trust me. And here's the reasons why we're doing this with so-and-so, right? But the biggest thing for church members, the warning, do not turn a blind eye just because that pastor has so much success, mm. has so much fruit, yeah. Did you see Christianity Today? It comes out June 22nd. They're doing a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Have you heard about it yet? No. Yeah, so they did a three-minute trailer that just came out this week. Mike Cosper, oh, he's an incredible author too. But what's interesting is is there's the three-minute trailer. It's just kind of haunting. And it mm. just talks about like he was so abusive, this, that. And I'm not trying to just do a sure. you know slam campaign. But sure, sure, the sure. guy said you know he was doing all these terrible, terrible things. But we literally ran out of shirts because people were getting baptized from left and right. We didn't mm. have any more water. Like, we ran out of water because just God seemed to be moving so much. So people just kept not touching him. Mm. So that's the scary part that a lot of us in America, we worship success so much. And we think success is always up and to the right. Mm. More people, more money, you know. And so when we, when we live that way, it allows the pastor to stroke his ego. And that is just 
it is so damaging for the church. And that's why we have to be able to confront. And that's why we really got to make sure the elders, the people who are the accountability team, they're not just yes men. They're not just yes women. They've got to hold them accountable. It's such an important role that they play. Yeah, that's good. That's good. If you guys don't know what, what uh, uh, Pastor Trey was just talking about, there was a church back in, oh, goodness, um, late uh, they 2000. They January of 15. Oh, January 15, yeah. Mars Hill, Mark Driscoll, um, massive church, massive budget. And um, and they, you know, they they dismantled. And unfortunately, and, and I've met Pastor Mark personally. Actually, he's out your way, Trey. He's out in uh, yep. Mesa, right? Mesa, Scottsdale. Arizona. Scottsdale. And I met him personally, and I reached out to him on email about having him on a channel. And, and, and unfortunately, and, I'm, and I was a big, big Mark Driscoll fan at the time. But unfortunately, what, what seems like happened is it seems like he then relocated, planted a new church, and a lot of these same mistakes sound like they're getting made at this new church in Arizona, man. And it's and it's heartbreaking. And now I didn't even know that was coming out. You said through Christianity Today, a podcast series? Yeah. Yep, a podcast series with Mike Cosper. Mm-hmm. <sighs> man, that's Yeah, that's, so they said, why brutal. why share this story? Why share the dirty laundry? Well, so yeah. we have to realize, let's not let this keep happening. Mm-mm. So hopefully pastors of other, yeah, I mean, church members of other successful churches go, okay, wait, this, my pastor, I know he's an incredible speaker and God is yep. moving, yep. but she's been abused. He's been, mm. you know, so we got to stop because eventually, and you know what, looking at the, don't touch my anointed, the pastor is using and abusing the anointed people of God and Ooh. God will have his reckoning with them too. It goes both ways. Man. Man, oh man! You guys want to add anything else? I mean, goodness gracious, Pastor Trey. Just—I mean, that you dunked that man. You uh, anything else on this topic? Because I want to—I want to bounce one more topic off you guys before we wrap. The one thing—the one thing I—I I guess I would add to that, right, is that and and Jason said it a little bit before when he was like, "We act like we don't deal with people." Right. And this is one of the reasons I advocate for anybody on my channel that I, I just feel like more pastors need to be bivocational. Right. Because I get the benefit of seeing behavior in people at various levels as an executive. Right. And so then I'm in church and I see the same behavior. And this will go into the discussion we have about the flesh and demonization. Right. Like I see the same spirit or the same desire for pride and for ego and for self, you know, aggrandizement and, you know, a lack of self-awareness and abusive spirits in corporations mm. where these people aren't saved, right? Or these mm-hmm. people don't claim to be saved. And then when mm-hmm. I see the same behavior in church folks, like I don't have a tendency to, to lean towards the defense of the not, you know, don't judge my anointed, don't touch my anointed. It's like, no, like these people are operating in a clearly fleshly manner because you know but it's like a lot of people i mean unfortunately a lot of people who get put in leadership at churches have actually never led people anywhere else mm. right so we try to we like christianize everything and then we have to i need a scripture to address why i feel you're disrespectful in the way that you talk to your employees wow. like i don't need a scripture at work to tell you you need to check the way you talk to your secretary or you won't work here anymore like i don't you know what i mean so like in yeah. that manner to get into these and then the person who wants to defend the pastor is using that and then people start talking about submission and you know the the proper methodology but at the end of the day we're still people interacting yep and people don't feel empowered right like you know to trey's point people don't speak up because they can't find the bible verse about it 
Mm. Right. Like and somebody will hit you with that. Don't come after God's anointed. So then I feel like I got to come back book, chapter, verse. Right. With like, no, the Bible told me that if I think you might be creeping with the secretary, I need to bring it up to you. So people don't. It. Where again, if you were at work, if this was at work and you saw the same kind of behavior in a leader that was an executive or a manager, yep. you'd be running the HR. Yep. But like we don't take stuff like that to the elders. And if you do, then the elders who have a lot of times also have not worked in any setting where they've got to deal with personnel issues. Like mm-hmm. that's the problem I see with the church. The church does not know how to deal with human resource problems. Mm-hmm. Like some people just need to attend the church and not work here. Come on. Right. Like don't be in the office no more. Go sit in the pew. You mm-hmm. don't need to lead the choir no more. You need to just go read a book and attend Come Bible on. study. Yeah. But we don't know how to deal with human resource issues. So people people like heavily spiritualize things, which actually puts the advantage in the court of the people who know how to manipulate the scripture more. Right. So then you can't come win this argument with me because I can beat you over the head with the Bible and mm. give you 30 scriptures. So like people feel afraid and like and I have people that come to me and I'm, I mean, you see videos on my channel. I'm always giving people advice on how to talk to church leadership yeah, because yeah. they feel like if I can't come with a, you know, with a, with a, with a, you know, with nailing stuff on the, on the chapel door, like Martin Luther, like I can't address a problem. And then people are seeing these problems from different perspectives in different places in the church, but then they don't get brought forward until, you know, there's a news story that drops or mm-hmm. an article comes. And then all of these people are like, well, I saw it, but I didn't know what to say. So we also just gotta, we gotta allow people to be people. And, we have to be humble enough as leaders, right? Especially as pastors for people to come to us with just a general observation and say, this is what I saw. This is how it made me feel. Even if they don't think it's spiritual, right? Even if they don't know what it is, but we should be open to doing that. And I don't find a lot of people who are right. Mm. Where again, get away with that at work. So why are you getting away with it at the church? Shots fired, man. Wow. All right. I did. I wanted to interact with another thing Jason said, if that's all right. He talked about how maybe don't make up another scripture this time. (laughs) Jason, you talked about how maybe David should have taken over, right? Like, like maybe it was wrong of him. And I've always appreciated that about you in the reading of scripture. You humanize them. It's not, you know, sometimes it's descriptive, their actions, and sometimes it's prescriptive. So you're saying, what if this is descriptive here that David is is not taking the mantle of his anointing. And we learned that Saul wasn't anointed anymore. And there's Hmm. something to that. But something, as I was wrestling through that, I think of the parable of the lowest seat um, in Luke 14, 7 through 11. You know, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I think what what David was, was... operating on and it's been a huge blessing for my life is there is a different season there there's an anointing but then there's an appointing right and so the anointing happens first but now he's got to build your character now you got to go back and and be with the sheep and and figure out this life right and build that character and then god will appoint you and i wonder how many of us were always because with this parable at the lowest seat god is the host we should always um, a lot of desert fathers, contemplative Christians, they call it voluntary displacement. We must always choose the lowest position possible because yeah. God will make it where he will just raise us up at the proper time. And a lot of times we force ourselves into situations. I was reading a book this week and it talked about how we get so mad when it seems like the devil's under promoting us, which we call the algorithm, right? It's like, I need more people here. I deserve this. But at the same time, the devil loves to over promote the saints, 
and we get too much too soon, too fast. Come on. And so one of the biggest graces in my life and church planning journey, so I'm five and a half years in, I love now that my first two years were pretty miserable and not as successful as everybody said. I was preaching at the age of 16. People were, you know, a lot of us hear this. I was the next Billy Graham. I know everybody's heard that. So, but I really I've thought, hey, man, I, the I've moment. Never, I've never heard that, Trey. I've never heard that. Oh, really? Life. I'm so no, Southern never. Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard a, a year to the next anything. It was just like, oh, you could kind of oh, teach the Bible. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, there's just a lot of pressure. And so yeah. I knew that I, I started my life to ministries at 13, but praise God, I didn't say, all right, Pastor Billy, which is my dad, get out of the way. Yeah. I'm yeah. called to do this. And I know that's not what Jason is saying. But I, I always look at that story with David and get super encouraged. You know what? Mm. When God, for at the proper time, if we do not grow weary, you know, he will He will bring me up. And I'm not going to try to rush this process because obviously there's still some character things. And you've talked about this a lot, Ruslan, even with the Christian rap industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. is can my character withstand this? If not, mm-hmm. God and his grace won't allow you to reach that position. And I think we yep. look at that story and it's so encouraging. David had to learn a lot before he was appointed king. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, you want to chime? And the verse that comes to mind instantly before, before, before you go, sorry, J- Jason, I asked you and then I stopped you is the, uh, uh, an inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end, right? Mm. Straight, straight out of Proverbs. And, and I could speak for my life. Had I had the success and the access to money I do now, 10 years ago, that would not have been a blessing in the end. The, the, that inheritance from God, right. that that blessing would not have been a blessing in the end. I needed to be equipped. I was hanging out with a very influential YouTuber, TikToker today, millions of followers. And we were talking about uh, money. And I said, man, t- you know, you should be very grateful for where you're at because you're not equipped to the 20 version. The 20 year old version, you is not equipped to handle seven figures. It's not equipped to handle multiple six figures. Like you're doing great, bro. Like enjoy the season that you're in. And he was like, dude, you're, you know what? You're totally right. And, uh, and it was it was refreshing to see that degree of humility, you know. So go, go ahead, Jason. I didn't mean to um, cut you off. Well, I just want to be clear. I'm not advocating for David to have killed Saul. In <laughs> right. <this>. However, <laughs> there is the side where you see how this does infiltrate everything that he did. There was no reason for David to have to have Jonathan have his boy shoot arrows mm-hmm. in a field. These are positions that you could have easily, if you sat down this preconceived notion that you're dealing with the Lord's anointed, this preconceived over-spiritualization of what an individual is and what an individual is not, you could have saved yourself a lot of, uh, of trouble. You know, you're in there playing the guitar for somebody and they throw a, a sword at you we don't really need a whole lot of coded messages over here, you know? So there are other yeah, areas where that, that functions. So we just see him operating in that. Uh, but I will say this to the, to the anointing versus the appointing. And I don't think it, it worked against David to do it. However, we also know that when Saul did die and David did take the kingdom, David did not effortlessly take the kingdom. Hmm. True. So there was still a, a battle to be done. And to be honest with you, I mean, there is, at some point, there is something to be said for expedience. If he'd have walked into Jerusalem with Saul's head on a stick, he'd have probably had it a lot sooner. And it would have been undisputed. There are undisputed ways that we walk in. So, And I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for that, but we're just looking at all the angles here. This is all yeah. about context. Yeah. And right. so with that, 
let me just say this about the appointing though, is the problem with that, the problem with I will always take the lowest seat is at some point, the fourth seat is your seat. Hmm. At some point, the second seat, that's your seat. Hmm. You just need to go sit in your freaking seat. Hmm. And because what can happen is, is we can wait for some supernatural appointment to the, to the extent that we constantly go back and never get into the position that, and God can open every door. He can make every way and we can go, well, hang on, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to wait on the Lord. And I think of that joke right. where there's a man and there's a, a radio broadcast that comes and there's a flood coming and he says, yep. well, I'm going to pray and God, you deliver me. And then there's a man who comes by in a, in a boat and he, he says, hey, man, come get in the boat. And he says, I, that's all right. I prayed that the Lord would 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 send deliverance. And then the, a helicopter comes by and with a megaphone, they say, hey, we're throwing down a rope. You need to climb up in the helicopter. And he says, that's all right. I prayed for deliverance. And then the man died. <laughs> he gets to heaven yeah. and the Lord says to him, why are you here? And he says, well, Lord, I called out. I said, why don't you send me some deliverance? He said, man, I sent you a radio broadcast, a boat and a helicopter. What the heck do you want from me? <laughs> right. You know, and so I, I, I think we just have to be, you know, it's not that it's wrong. It's that there's a point that that can infiltrate our own mindset where we constantly go back to this. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself. And we have to be careful to make sure that humility is a disposition and it's not a routine. Mm. Wow. You know, and wow. just, so we can we can step forward when our time is to step forward. Come on, yeah, man. That's good, man. I, that's I knew why that next would... week I'm taking over Ruslan's YouTube channel. That's <laughs> that's that's right. Because here's because you have to recognize though, we live in an era <laughs> that we struggle with self promotion. We're always trying to promote ourselves. So I think we can all use a bit of that humble pie too. So there's that balance on both sides. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I, I what... agree. But uh, let me just say one more thing. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just take over here. Uh, the the we have a tendency, and I think this is, and this might be a prophetic insight. So, sorry for everyone who doesn't Buckle like up. that. Get your pen um, out. <laughs> but with my pen, this is my prophetic pointer. Um, but we have a tendency, oftentimes, to speak a word that is very much a word for the world, and we aim it at the church, and 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 in that we paralyze the kingdom we paralyze the body hold on you got you got to say that again often you got to you got to give me that one more time oftentimes we Uh say things we speak a word yeah that is well fitted well suited intended for the world Mm. and instead we aim it at the church and we paralyze the body we paralyze the kingdom so we don't step forward that's like that's like john mark comer I, i i know that's your boy trey and I My haven't boy. read the book. I have not read the book, and I'll, I'll say that. Up. But I know that he he wrote this book about the what is it called, Trey? What the elimination of the ruthless elimination? Ruthless of hurry. elimination. He's quoting Dallas Willard, who is the best. But yes, ruthless okay. elimination of hurry. Okay, so we got a whole train of this problem going on over here with this hurry situation. Here's the issue: I've yet to meet a church in America that needed to be told to slow down. Hmm. You know, I look around and I look at people beating their brains out in the world, looking for recognition, trying to get approval and all that stuff. And I look around at kingdom people and I go, my God, hmm. you know, if if David would have known 
Or if Isaiah would have known, he'd have wrote, wait on the Lord, and he'd have wrote a time limit in there. Hmm. He didn't realize that some of you people was going to wait 47 years. <laughs> Man, Jason, I, we need to just fight each other on my own channel, I think. This is turning into a... Look, John Wesley, he has this quote. We are not quote, fighting am, each other, number one. Okay? No, we're not. I'm a little upset about other. you making up your own scriptures and pretending <laughs> like they're in the Bible. But other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> that was a joke, John Wesley. Guys. John Wesley said, I am always in haste, but I'm never in a hurry. Hmm. And that's the disposition Comer's talking about. It is a... It is a disposition of the heart. See, I believe if you walk in a hurried spirit, you're blocking the Holy Spirit. And Woof. so that's what he's talking about. Operating from rest. You got to read the book and Come then on, you'll man. get it. He you gets, came he to gets preach tonight. Come on. If you what they said if you're you're not operating from hate from what it say it is, I'll say that again. Not not from haste, but from you gotta say it again. Oh, the Wesley quote, I'm always in haste, but I'm never in a hurry. Come on. Guys, thank you so much, man. Hey, uh, they'll, they'll be tagged in the description of this video. Um, and we will do this again, hopefully biweekly, if not weekly. Uh, if you guys want specific passages covered, want verses covered, let me know in the comment of this video. And we will, we will attack, uh, approach and attack some more tough comments. So thank you guys so much, man. Appreciate you guys being here again. If you found this video valuable, give it a nice like for the YouTube algorithm and make sure you're subscribed with the bell notification on. Here is our outro. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Hey, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. If you found it valuable, please consider giving it a like and subscribing. You can check out one of the other videos related to this that'll be over here. Now, I got to tell you about a free training I have for anyone that is an entrepreneur, a creative, an artist, but maybe you are unsure on how to find your voice, how to find your niche. I have a free training in the description of this video. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you, and I will see you on the next video. Holy smokes, you made it through the entire episode Shout out to you probably means you're rocking with what we're doing. And again, we ain't got no sponsors on this show and I'm going to keep it that way. But what you can do to keep it sponsor free is consider signing up for our King's Dream Patreon. The link is in the description of this episode. Best way to get a hold of me, best way to hop into a group Zoom call, and the best way to partner with what we're doing here. Help us create more stuff just like this. Thank you for listening. Peace.